0: Hello, my name is Nick Basic and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with Ardek, of the Dutch symphonic metal band Karak Aangren, about their latest LP, Frankenstein Stratomontanus.
1: Little White Coffin, lowered into the ground. Parents screaming. Desperate, profound. The clock struck twelve
0: and the family went home. Little did they know what horrors were about to come. Dutch symphonic metal masters, who are known for their love affair with horror, Karak Angren, released their sixth full length, Frankensteina Stratomontanus, on June 26 via Season of Mist. The record explores the story of the real Dr. Frankenstein, Johann Conrad Dippel. Dippel was a mad scientist in Germany who performed sick experiments that even included failed attempts to reanimate dead animals, among other things. The album explores the stark reality of this madman while incorporating fantasy elements from the Frankenstein monster mythos. In addition, composer and musical mastermind Ardek has composed music for a number of other bands, including Lindemann, Payne, XDO, and more. He's even tried his hand in film and scored the horror movie Piwacket, exercising a diverse and incomparable scope of musical talents. We spoke with Ardek earlier this year about the band's literary and cinematic influences.
2: Appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. Uh, where am I speaking to you from? Uh, I'm in the Netherlands
1: currently. So
2: I have been a fan of the band for a while now, and one of the things I really appreciate about what Karrick Angren does is like the the way in which the band draws from so many myths and folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, what was sort of like, like the first release that you did was based on the, 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 the chase vault moving coffins, which is like a, a very famous story. Um, like what got you into the, the supernatural or these strange stories to begin with?
1: Well, both Saragor and me, we, we have both been fan of those little stories always, um, because they, you know, speak to your imagination. And um, when we were um, starting the band, we were sort of, you know, making songs and um, talking about little stories. And I remember that Sarah had like this book of like uh, myths and, and local uh, ghost stories. And um, for example, there was one, and it was like only one sentence, and it was called like the the... The Unquiet Gallo, <laughs> that's something like uh, there uh, where the, they used to hang uh, the man. Uh, when the wind howls, you can still hear their, their skeletons or something, the wind in their skeleton. You know, and stuff like that, it's almost like poetry that just that just hits me. So when I read something like that, I just, you know, I imagine walking in. in along a path and then you hear the wind and you you hear bones from somewhere and it's just amazing stuff so (laughs) it's just uh, a hobby, uh, a passion and um, because it's so unexplainable and it's mysterious and it just evokes all kinds of emotions so yeah when we were just starting the band we were very excited and then I I thought like wouldn't it be cool to just get something out there as soon as possible And what better way to just make use one story for a release because it's such a great thing to bind everything together, you know, conceptually and and in art and, you know, also storytelling. And then I was just looking on the Internet for more stories and then I stumbled upon this one and we both liked it. Uh, the fact, you know, that they had these drawings when the when they opened the vault and the coffins would be in a different order and upside down and it's just it was just crazy. So yeah, that's how we started and we kept doing it. And uh, so there was not really a plan behind it. It was just uh, what we really, really liked. Yeah.
2: Um, the the move into um, more his historical uh figures uh in in, in 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 stories in recent years has been really fascinating to me um how did you um discover the story wow. of Johann conrad dippel um because it's it's something i had heard about here and there but hadn't really dug into until the the album came out last month
1: cool yeah it's it's a uh, quite a story because um both both of us had the idea, like, it would be cool to do something with Frankenstein, but at the same time, we felt like, okay, this is a story that's so well known. It has been done in so many ways by so many people uh, through so many mediums, you know. Um, so I, I wanted to avoid to do something, you know, like plain and just retell that story. So... Um, and Sergo was very excited because he had seen the movie as a little kid it was one of the first horror movies he was not allowed to see and This kind <laughs> of, thing. so we had that special connection and um, then I decided to just um, uh, read the novel and it was also around that time that I had a strange dream and uh, in that dream I was floating through an old house and it was like water leaking and I heard dissonant piano tones and while I was floating to the house, I saw classical ornaments, and then I was pulled into an open space, and I saw a, a painting depicting the, the, you know, an old man looking angry, and I was pulled towards it, and then I woke up. And uh, I don't have a fight with a uh, with a diseased grandpa or anything, mm-hmm. so it was not Freud uh, involved, but uh, so I didn't know what it meant. Um, but I was fascinated, and wrote it down. I made a little drawing of the face I saw. And yeah, I forgot about it and I started working on some music. Then I decided to read the novel and I was blown away by the novel. And I was like, holy shit, this, this, there's so much in this story. This is a work of art. There's so much depth and there's so much that hasn't been translated into movies or, you know, anything that we know or the average person maybe knows about Frankenstein so I was completely captivated by it and uh, that inspired me a lot to work on some more music. Um, but then I realized that this was in 2018. It was 200 years ago that um, uh, that she Mary Shelley wrote that novel. And so there was like an exposition in a Dutch museum here in Leiden in Holland. I went there and via that place I met a, an artist and scientist. I had a, an interview with uh, so I started really digging, and then I stumbled about, uh, across this theory that Mary Shelley was inspired, or there was a theory that she got inspired by Johann Conrad Dippel, indeed alchemist, theologian, living in Germany um, at Castle Frankenstein. So I was like, okay, this is getting really exciting, because now we're going uh, after this original angle. And what fascinated me most about it is that we are sort of getting to the story behind the story because I was like, she wrote such a great work of art, you know, this is like uh, unprecedented, how can you do that? What got her to do that? So I was fantasizing like maybe there was some kind of force behind her that that was trying to get through to her or something. This was like like a ghost. And then I stumbled onto Dippel and then I Googled him, saw his image, it was a, a, you know, a, a drawing. And then that reminded me of the image I saw in my dream. So I was like, I was making this fancy, like maybe this this man is trying to reach out to us. Maybe he wants his story to be heard, you know. <laughs> I like that kind of personal motivation almost. So then I got really excited and working and more studying and more reading. And so there was a lot of investigation and just getting inspired for months, you know, and... Um, that's one of the things that I learned over the last years. It's so easy to just make another album, you know, like oh, there's this subject or whatever. But I, 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 I'm always after that. We are always after that feeling that we had, for example, with the Chase Vault, like that excitement, you know, like ah, oh, this is what what I want to know more about. And uh, because that's what it is in the end. It's also you know you make an album and there's it's a product, but you need that excitement. And uh, so this time there was a lot of but it's from my side, a lot of investigation and a lot of fun.
2: (laughs) I know, I know that the, the album does occasionally nod to other adaptations of Frankenstein. You use that famous line, it's alive. Um, But when you were working on the orchestration for it, were you specifically trying to avoid like nodding to, uh, like Franz Wax- Waxman's like score for *The Bride of Frankenstein* is so uh, tied into, I think, like the sound of how we we think of Frankenstein. Were Were you trying to like avoid referencing that in any way?
1: Um, not actively, and and actually, I haven't really paid attention to that because, indeed, it can be a trap to to fall into. And once you have investigated that sonically then it's in your mind. And sometimes it can work, sometimes not. The way I like to work is to see if the story somehow evokes something in me. Um, For example, there was one particular day that I suddenly had the idea, like, I want the album to start with this uh, sort of organ tone, and it is there now, it's like, and then this, these, these voices go over it, and so, it's more from the story that I try to to, to, to approach it sonically, and um, one of the things that I really wanted to try with this is the industrial approach, and it fits so well to the team, because it's experimenting, you know, it's more like, and Seragor and was really cool in depicting Dipple as like a re- really re- you know, angry ghost almost, so it's in, in that sense. It's even darker, maybe, than the original Victor Frankenstein, and um, that blends very well with this, you know, heavy industrial sounds and, and this kind of new thing we tried on this album. And then on other songs, I went back to the orchestral palette, but try to really up the epicness and scale of it. Uh, yeah. Um,
2: given that this is the the group's last album with drummer namtar um did that affect the recording at all like knowing that like he was he was on his way out or was he uh did he make that decision after the the recording was completed
1: yeah he made it afterwards so um we came back from the studio he attracted drums like normal uh, like usual and um Then we got an offer for, you know, new tours and the 17,000 tons of metal gig. We played, you know, gladly still in January. And then he said like, um, yeah, he said that he didn't want to do it. And uh, so it was like, what's happening? And we had a band meeting and then he immediately came forward. Like, I have some thoughts about this. I want to quit. And then, you know, he stated his reasons and we had a couple of talks about it to try to understand where he is coming from to see if we can change things within the band or how we approach it or um give him time off because that was a suggestion but he was very uh, he was insisting on his decision and it was clear so then we it was a very uh, turbulent time it was in november in the middle of the album recordings actually and uh, um, although the i think the vocals were already done yeah most of it was done yeah but still it was very turbulent and um yeah, but luckily the, the the recording was done, so uh, then we could move on. Yeah,
2: given that you um, haven't really been able to to tour behind this because um, nobody's touring right now, um, like what sort of um, complications has that offered um, in terms of like promoting the record or being able to like put these songs in front of people like what what sort of uh methods are you looking toward
1: well when when COVID came um we were already heavily starting the promotion because we had listening sessions and the album was done the artwork was done and so it was a shock of course to everyone Uh, you know in the in the industry uh, people were talking about postponing albums indefinitely some bands did that some bands were in the middle of tours or cancelling tours and we were fortunate in that sense that we didn't have a tour planned right now. We had a a show that was cancelled but um, we felt strongly like we were so enthusiastic about this album that we were like, yeah, but we're going to put it out. We had to postpone it a month because of the physical products not being ready in time. Um, But from that moment, we just did things like now, like we are doing interviews promotion, uh, pushing it more, but at the same time, not trying to panic too much by going in all kinds of directions, because that's not who we are. We are more like, okay, this is what we like to do. But um, I saw that some bands were super creative. You know, they set up completely new ideas and that's really great. And it came out of a necessity, but for us, we were like, okay, we have this, we have this album to focus on. So we're going to promote it through the lyric videos and, for example, now we're trying to make an actual video because that was postponed as well. And we didn't want to compromise on the ideas. Um, so, in that sense, and with the response that we had, like last week, we were even charting an, an, an album top 100. And it has been crazy. And I couldn't have dreamt of any better response. So, you know, I'm very, we are very grateful for that. Yes.
2: You've done. Uh, scores to quite a few um, short films and things like that. Um, and you had um, there was a uh song uh-huh. featured in the movie Piwacket. Like, um, are are you both? Um, horror movie fans or do your um, interests lie Uh elsewhere?
1: No, definitely. Um, And um, Saragor is the biggest horror movie fan. (laughs) (laughs) I think he has watched all of them. It's funny because usually when I visit him, he's like, oh, you have to see this and you have to see that. And have you heard of it? You know, he's like, uh, he showcases me everything and tells me about all the movies he's uh, looking into. And uh, and I like it too, but I'm... um, you know, I, I uh, oh, recently I've I've watched a lot of movies, um, but you know I can go from old ones to new ones to uh, back and forth, so I like it. But I also am a very, uh, I, I like to read a lot as well. So uh, for me, it's more a combination. And he's he's the visual guy. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: Is is there? Um... Like, I have noticed that like a lot of the the things you have scored have been definitely sort of different from the the topics that the band covers. Is that part of the appeal of doing it is that it allows
1: you to flex different musical muscles? Um, yeah, I mean I, I, I know a couple of directors, so I follow in that sense what they are making. And and I, I personally like it a lot when you, when I can just go into some other direction for a while, because, you know, uh, after a while you get a bit tired of the orchestral horror and <laughs> you need a, you need some, yeah, I sometimes even make children's music or whatever it is. And it's just fun because, you know, it, 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 it gives you indeed this variety and sometimes can lead to new ideas when you come back to the, to the core of the matter. And, um, so yeah, and uh, with, with working for film, what is really cool is that the the images and the story even more than with karak dictate what the music needs to be. And I'm I'm, I'm I like to do it, and I'm, I tend to be good at it. So that's that's. And sometimes there is not much music needed, and that's also something I just say like, okay, I don't think we need to add a lot. So it's a completely different art in that sense. Uh, but yeah, I like the variation. Yes.
2: Well, I mean that does that does seem like it makes a lot of sense because like the band is creating music that generates images in your head whereas you're doing the the opposite when you're when you're uh scoring something because you're creating music for images that already exist. So like those are two entirely different skill sets.
1: Yes, and um and and they overlap And what I always like to say is that um, I don't like when things sometimes you need that, sometimes you need to emphasize something that's already there. But generally speaking, I like when uh, visuals add something extra. You see that also in our artwork is that, you know, the artwork is something extra. It's not like, okay, we were saying this and then you see this. Now it's like we're saying this and we're, we're singing and making music about this. And then there's in the the booklet, there's something beyond that or, uh, you know, connected to it. And I like that. And with with film, it's the same. Sometimes, you know, you see someone screaming and you can do it in a Mickey Mouse kind of way, like, (laughs) but usually that doesn't work. So I'm always looking for how can you musically, you know, jump on the wagon, so to speak. Uh, Yeah
2: speaking of artwork like the the covers for your albums are very um eye-catching um and uh, what I find really interesting is that you like frequently work i mean you had worked with um Eric uh Whijanon's, um here and there uh like in the past but like you've been working with different artists as in recent years um yes what's sort of the what sort of the the rationale for for working with different artists is it just like to to change up like what you can offer visually like to grab folks
1: yeah there's a there's a couple of things like Eric is great and we still work with him um for example he did a lot for my pictures for my solo work and you know, he also does still does band pictures for us when there is a possibility. Um, the thing is that uh, when we started with Karak, things were, you know, like um, yeah, when it's like when every band starts, you start and it's more casual, and you know, you're like a bunch of friends hanging out. And Eric is one of those guys that goes way back, like another friend of mine, Rob. Who has done sound for us and 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 helped with a lot? And there are many people that has helped us to become like this. So they are never credited almost, or but people have to realize that like surrounding the three and now the two of us, so sort of many people that has helped, have helped out. That being said, Eric, um, when the band really started, you know, getting more uh, productive and famous, and tours started going in. You know, also the, the 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 deadlines and stuff like that start to increase. So instead of saying you know um, we're going to do an album and then maybe next year we do wow. the there is a you know there's deadlines and there's a tight schedule and uh, then also there is sometimes just a, a question of availability and seeing who is able to do it and who is not. So that dictates sometimes also the decisions you have to make. Um, and also, indeed, the other thing is that sometimes you you, you try to change things. I remember Costin, for example, coming in when he was making these lyric videos. And it was a suggestion via our management and label. And we worked with him on these lyric videos. And from that, we said, hey, you know, uh, let's try to do the artwork um, one time. And we did that. It was really great. And now I, we did Look with Stefan Heilemann, who did a phenomenal job on this. I think it's one of the coolest uh, covers and artwork I've ever seen. And I know him via Lindemann because he worked on artwork for Lindemann. And I remember it looks very professional and, and like cinematic. And that's what I felt this album needed. Uh, So, uh, you know, I I gave him a call or a mail and uh, he was up to it and and we're really glad. So it's also sometimes it's it's usually also the story or what we're doing that is sort of dictating who we work with. Yes.
2: Yeah, the the cover for this is very, very striking. And it does look, it has like, I think more so than anything you've put out thus far. Like it looks like a movie poster. Yeah. it looks like it's very much setting the scene for what you're going to get when you put this on the stereo. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, what are you um, yourself working on now, uh, given that you can't tour? Uh,
1: yeah, I've been working um, on other projects. Um, for example, I've been working with Patrick Damiani, who is also records and plays guitars and bass on our albums always and tracks them uh, and and records the drums. Um, Great friend, great musician and producer. And I've been working with him on um, doing something for the band uh, Lami Mortel. It's a a, a German, gothic um, kind of band. Great, uh, great band. I cannot reveal more about (laughs) there is a cooperation uh, (laughs) that has been going on. And so I was really grateful to be able to do that Nikos Mavridis' violinist is also uh, involved in that and uh, yeah right now working on projects as well so I'm, I'm very grateful to have some work to, to do yes
2: well sir thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me about um, the band and your work this has been really delightful
1: thanks a lot yeah thanks for the great questions and interest uh, always a pleasure we
0: talking with me. You can find Karak Angren online at karak angrennl on Facebook and Twitter at Karak Angren and on Instagram at Karak Angren Official. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod, and can be found on Instagram at From An Inspired By. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back next week, continuing a month of spooky content, talking with Bastian Keb about his third album, The Giallo Inspired, The Killing of Eugene Peeps. Until then, thanks for listening.